Hello, I'm Amy and welcome to Not Another Education podcast, the podcast where we can't promise you that you will learn anything at all, but if you like great stories, great guests and awesome chat, then you are in the right place. Today, we are talking all things sex education. Here's Ingrid to play us in. may wander off on a tangent or two and I hope you're all ears because we may talk off a few but other than that take a load off relax the fun has begun when I'm just another education podcast I think it comes down like to personal experience as well because you know if we've got like we'll touch on it in a minute but I guess like so many benefits of like having open conversations with the people who are closest to you and even mm. you know people who um, are in your care you know if you're like an educator in any way and mm. you know, you're looking to talk about you know complex kind of um sex and relationship topics yeah. um you know being open about that there are so many benefits but I I almost wonder because nobody when I was growing up and I mean I guess, I, I guess when I started, like, kind of menstruation and stuff, like, nobody had really talked to me about mm. it. So it was mm. like, I thought I, I mean, I thought I was dying. I honestly did. I thought, you like, would if you, had, yeah, if you'd not been prepped, what on earth is happening to my body? That, that's yeah. for any young person, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I know, like, from kind of teaching year six that, you know, and especially in like the, the kind of schools that I taught in that were, you know, Catholic or heavy faith schools. And mm. even back then, I don't think it was it was like a talk, wasn't it, in terms of sex education that you left like last or at least a later years of primary school. But there was Always, some there was yeah. some yeah, there's some young girls in year four even starting yeah. their periods and have no idea what's going on, really frightened. Um yeah. And 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 it is a really confusing time. And I don't know if this is the same because everyone's body's different, but mine kind of went away in a couple of days. And I was like, oh, that's sort. I don't need to tell anyone about it. <laughs> yeah, and then... yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And I think that absolutely is, a, a you know, a, a personal anecdote. And you are, sorry to say, you're not unique <laughs> because <laughs> there will be so many globally, so many girls who have and boys actually or or, you know anyone whose whose body isn't doing what they assume is the norm or their body's doing something that they haven't been prepped for the fact that it is going to do or might do and our, our bodies are all different and we'll do things at different times and okay we we wouldn't necessarily have you know a whole lesson about every individual thing that a human body might do um but what we can do from really 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 early on is tell children that it's okay to ask questions about things that you're unsure of whether it's your mental health your physical health uh your your general well-being your feelings of uh safety and and if we can get those messages across from really early on then rather than addressing everything as a whole class which certainly we do need to do when it comes to aspects of uh, health education and changes and growing up and puberty and we do need to teach children specifically about those things um 
But even before we teach about those, if we can make sure children know who their trusted adult is at home, who their trusted adult is at school, and that it's okay to ask questions if you feel unsafe, if you feel worried, if you're confused, if you are experiencing emotions that you don't know how to deal with, if your body's doing something that you weren't expecting it to do. Um, and yeah, if if we could open up those discussions from early on, children might feel more inclined, that child who does start puberty early and the class haven't had the whole class lesson on it, but the child who starts early would maybe think, oh, okay, we haven't learned about this and perhaps no one that, you know, I haven't got anyone at home I can really talk to about, but I do feel safe to go and approach my teacher or um, my teaching assistant or the teacher who I do school council with because they're really nice or whatever it might be if they feel they've got someone that that then they could not feel on their own and isolated and frightened and scared and you know as adults I think we would then think you know we can all recognize that we'd rather a child didn't either suffer in silence and not know what's going on about something um or that they got the right information and I think that's when it certainly when it comes to um relationships and sex education um children getting the right information is so important because there's a lot of misinformation out there and it's more easy to access than it ever has been because of the internet um you know when I was young it was uh, magazines, you know, maybe, and maybe you'd get get hands on a, a sort of a teenage girl's magazine when you were still only 11, 12, and that would be really exciting and funny if it had a, you know, this month's sex position. I know. I remember this too. I remember like my sister having certain magazines. I won't name them because I don't know if they still exist and I don't, I don't, I don't want, to, I don't want Twinkle to get in trouble, but, um, I, I remember like seeing something, um, something like, um, what, what, what's the best sex position? And it was like, you do like a flow chart kind of quiz. Yeah, answer the question. And then it was like, this is what type of sexual partner you are. This is what position you like. And it's, I didn't know what that meant when I was like 14. No idea. <laughs> No, so it may have gone over our heads and that's fine because we do have to also as adults remember that children will process the information they're ready to process and a lot of it will go over their heads if they're not yet ready. So that's fine. But of course, for those who are ready and again, we're all different. So children will have different experiences of their own. Uh, sadly, sometimes it's that they've been exposed to something they shouldn't have been uh, from a younger age. Um, and children will develop and, and, and mature at different ages and be able to understand things at different ages. But at least, I guess what I was going to say about the magazines is that apart from, yeah, you know, the fun quizzes and some of it obviously was very flippant and, and, and kind of silly. But actually, if there was any information given, it probably was accurate information. So, you know, at least if that's what we accessed or I don't know, if you did manage to get your hands on a on a book, it probably did have accurate information, even if it was either a bit scientific and biological or maybe a little bit outdated. But but of course, the information that can float around online now, a lot of that really isn't accurate. Um, 
and that's probably what kids will turn to because obviously it's it's easier to access it you can do it in private it doesn't you don't have to be embarrassed to ask a question uh type it into google and no one's going to make fun of you um so yeah things definitely have changed and we do need to address that with our curriculum which thank goodness in my opinion um the statutory relationships and health education curriculum is going a long way uh, to address that yeah and I mean I think like a lot of people will be thinking kind of I completely resonated that about you sort of saying though like you know young people will process it when they're ready to process mm. it mm. like they'll read it they'll they'll see the words but ultimately like the meaning behind what that is when mm. they're ready they'll you know mm. that the information mm. will kind of resonate but I think like a lot of a lot of challenges that are facing like people at home with children people in mm. school um right across the board anyone who's involved in any type of education with young people is like how early mm. is too early or how late is too late to start mm. talking about the changes because I I know when you know when I used to teach in school is that we would have um and I mean that this is this is a number of years ago now so it's not recent whatsoever but a number of years ago if you were in year three you'd have um essentially a a, a talk about what um, you know keeping your bodies clean or what might happen to your yep. body in the next few years and then when they get to year six you know we would talk about um, menstruation and erections and wet dreams and mm. pubic hair and all these different things mm. that you know they may be starting to experience but I think that's a lot of debate around the delivery yeah. Um, and the yeah. coverage is how late is too late, how early is yeah. too early, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I totally hear that. And, um, you know, when you read around, you look at the research that's been done, um, of course, you can find different research to prove different things and there'll be it'll be a subjective topic like pretty much everything we've all got our own personal views which again come from our own experiences our culture our faith our our religion our our upbringing and, and that's absolutely fine but of course the government uh, have to make uh, a decision about the curriculum and we have to kind of think about what works best for most children and we do then base that that is based on research um and i think you know you <laughs> To an extent, you you look at what needs to be covered um, in different themes. So the, the, the phrase sex education, of course, gets kind of used a lot. But when it comes to primary school, we've got to remember that actually that's relationships and sex ed- education. And the relationships bit comes first. That's first and foremost. So really with very young children, the more important themes that you're building early on are literally, you know, who's in my family, what makes a good friend. But then you're also going to be looking at what's okay and not so okay. What is, yeah, sort of, you know, it's okay to cuddle someone if that if they want to be cuddled, but it's not if they don't want to be. So you're looking at really early aspects of consent and autonomy, which later on feeds into sex education. And, and it's a big reason as to why uh, the Sex Education Forum, for example, 
um, and you know organisations who who you know really are pushing for good quality sex education in schools. Um, this is a big reason why we need it because it's it's so closely linked to safeguarding children and actually yeah, because is it is it like a relationship with your body first and foremost and your yeah. boundaries like I is think, that kind yeah. of yeah I mean I think that's yeah there's so much around it but that self-respect and respecting others boundaries which again yeah can literally be um personal space or no no I don't want to hold hands but of course as you get older it is linked to more intimate relationships and what people do and don't want to do and what people feel comfortable doing um and of course it's now again coming back to the internet in the digital age it's those digital boundaries you know it's it's not okay to ask someone to send a naked picture of themselves and either blackmail them or tell them it's what everyone's doing or however you persuade that person to do that and if we don't, you know, again, the research is there. People are being, children are being asked to do that from quite a young age, sometimes by older people, but sometimes by by peers, sometimes by people their own age. Um, and if you don't prep kids a bit, then they won't be won't be won't be ready for that. There is there is like, and that's so important. And I think it's something that you know we we we, we like to think in terms of the world of primary, I especially primary, I think, is that these mm. children don't have any exposure to to this you know kind of world and they do so that I mean my opinion of it is that the best way is to to lay the information out on the table because I mean I've been faced with that obviously can't go into the details but I've been faced with a safeguarding issue in a previous school because a child was not educated on the importance of boundaries um yeah and you know that it was it was a revelation for them because they they were not told that like you say if you don't want to cuddle you shouldn't have to do that you can say no and it means no yeah um but yeah so it doesn't have to be about sexualizing children and that is a you know a common concern sadly often perpetuated by the media or certain online groups who have a who have a big voice um you know this notion of sex education equals you're sexualizing my child too soon but actually i think you know if if parents knew what the curriculum involves and that's why definitely school and home working together is always going to be best there's research that shows the best um, relationships and sex education happens when you've got schools and parents working together Um, and the research shows that um, you know children it's not about sexualizing them it's about high quality high quality education and if parents know the resources that will be used, the vocabulary that will be used, the way it will be delivered. The, and, and if the parents have confidence in the school, actually, they'll be reassured rather than alarmed in any way. They'll think, oh, good. And and that dialogue with parents where actually, perhaps as teachers, we make the assumption that the parents are going to react negatively towards their child being taught sex education that's age appropriate but have we asked the parents and if we surveyed the parents in one particular setting where the teachers may have been saying all the parents you know might not want us to teach this but actually if you surveyed them you might find that 
you know, 98% of the parents absolutely do want their child to receive high quality sex education at home. And they'd probably like some support at home with how to to talk to their children about it as well, because they probably don't feel confident or comfortable. So the school could support with sending home some leaflets or some links to good websites that are trustworthy, where parents and children together can discuss things. Or, you know, one thing we've um, developed uh, at Twinkle Life is a kind of answering difficult questions and kind of be a little bit prepared. Obviously, you can never be fully prepared. And as a teacher or a parent, at some <laughs> yeah. point, you're going to get a question that catches you off guard. Yeah, I've had some of those. But then, <laughs> absolutely. We, I bet we've all got yeah. stories we could air. Um, I, I, if I'm able, I could share one of my favourites, which was from year five. Yeah, I would love that, Faye. Year, year five sex education. Uh, and um, we had split the boys and the girls up, which... Um, again, you know, best practice now is that if you can, uh, as much as possible, teach the whole class about puberty and the changes that uh, both both sexes will go through. Um, that's more inclusive. Um, but I understand that often it's quite, you know, quite good to then let the, uh, the girls or the females have a space where they can talk more about menstruation uh, and ask questions and not feel uncomfortable. So that that's best practice as well. But we had at the time split, split the girls and the boys. So I just had the girls at that time. Um, and one of the questions came up and it was, why are there different flavour condoms? And, you know, as a teacher, we all dread that moment. We we haven't. I hadn't prepped for that particular question. You it's don't. a good question. Um, I mean, we. Were... It's a great question, <laughs> which is probably the first thing I said in response. <laughs> well, you're trying to buy yourself some some time, yeah. aren't you, as a teacher? And and you're like, that's a good question. And you're and you're rapid. You know, you can hear the cogs turning. There's probably some um, adults that also wonder this, myself included. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the thing is, you know, whatever for whatever reason, you know, that that child that asked it may have seen them in their home. That's fine. They may have seen them on the shelves in boots. They may have seen them in a um, a condom machine in a public toilet. Uh, who knows? It, it, you know, and, it, and again, it doesn't mean that that child was asking something inappropriate because generally children ask questions when they're curious about something. Um, okay, obviously with year fives, I didn't want to go into a conversation about oral sex um, or discuss anything more really about flavors uh, of condoms um but i think at the time i said something like well you know it's it, more than anything it's probably to um disguise the smell of the rubber just so they smell a bit nicer um and i think we kind of moved on from there and that was fine and that answer probably sufficed for that child they probably thought no more about it or they may have gone home and asked their parents about it and obviously we can't give out advice on every single topic that might come up. Um, but I think what probably struck me more than anything was that in that safe space, that child felt able to ask that question. I did come up with an answer, but I could have said, do you know, I'm not sure I'll look into that for you. Or that's something that um, you'll probably find out when you're older, which is sometimes the answer we give kids Generally, I don't think they like those sorts of answers. They've asked the question and they want some kind of response. Usually, I think you'll find that trying to just keep telling them, you know, 
oh, you'll learn that when you're ready. I, I think that's probably, I think most kids know they're being fobbed yeah. off. So, you know, I, ideally, I think if we can give them an answer and usually that answer when it comes to sex education is quite a biological scientific one and that's okay. Um, certainly if they're learning about the topic of, you know, actually human reproduction, um, you know, you might have ch- children in your class who've grown up um, on a farm or their parents are in um, the business of breeding puppies. Um, they're probably going to know quite a bit about reproduction um, in, in that sense from a sort of, an, you know, an animal sense. Um, and, you know, human, human reproduction doesn't need to be so different from the fact that all animals, including humans, reproduce. And of course, that's actually part of our science curriculum. So I think for me personally, um, and I know when you and I chatted um, previously, we talked about the fact that, and you've just hit on it earlier today, that thing of sex education in primary tends to be one lesson, maybe two, uh, at the end of year six, that summer term, often left to as late in the summer term as possible um, because it's been put off or maybe teachers are hoping to not get any comeback from parents or from children themselves. Yeah, I don't maybe. know. I, I, I just saw it as um, uh, my, my TA used to say, no sex ed before SATs. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I guess there's that. I guess there's that. And that, yeah, that fits. For some schools, um, it might be that they're keeping in mind um, uh, a residential trip. And it really is important to have talked to girls about menstrual well-being before they go on a residential trip. Because of course, if they are away when they start their period, that would be quite a scary experience not not being at home and in, you know and having their family around them um so you know lots of schools try to make sure they've timed it there and that and that's great that's good practice definitely but i think the thing is is if we leave it to that one lesson which i know in one of the schools i worked in actually kind of became referred to as the talk yeah. and it yeah and it just becomes this taboo exciting scary nerve-wracking you know all these things that just mean it's really really different from any other area of the curriculum you know we we don't build anything else up like that and you know oh we're gonna be doing fractions I, I, I wish oh. there was that much excitement about, about fractions exactly yeah. exactly um I probably did face the fractions with more dread than I did the sex ed <laughs> as a teacher I'll, I'll, I'll be honest um but no, I think, you know, we have a lot to answer for as parents, as educators, as people in society for making the subject as taboo as it is. And if um, a really good quality PSHE spiral curriculum addresses topics like growing up ourselves, our bodies, health, changes, if it if it tackles those issues or not issues those topics from early on and keeps revisiting them at really age appropriate levels then what you end up with ideally is children who uh, in key stage one have learned the names of the parts of the body including genitalia 
And that means the proper names. And you could, in your lesson, discuss the different names that children use. And that's fine. And explain to them, yeah, all these different words you use, uh, you know, from willy to 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 I don't know whatever else it might be mini you know lots of lots of different sort of um pet we, words we, or slang <laughs> words that people we use used to um I mean maybe my son when he's far older will hate me saying this but yeah we um yeah. we used to say widgie um oh, and yeah. now it's willy um you know yeah he knows it's called a penis though because um yeah. his we went to London to visit his cousins, which are twin girls, and they got yeah. a bath together. And um, he yeah. was like, "They don't have one," and I was like, "No, yeah. they don't yeah. have a penis." Um, and yeah. then my sister kind of took over to tell her children why yeah. um, they don't have a penis. Um, exactly, yeah. exactly. And and any kids with yes yeah, siblings or cousins, or even who've seen their own parent in the bath or the shower or you know children are going to visually be aware of bodies and differences in um in you know males and females um so yeah and I think you know we why it's, it's fine that we have these nicknames but also do we do that for any other body parts no do you know like not really do you know honestly why I call it that this is again very very um maybe shameful for him when he's older it's because i it's quite sweet isn't it you know he's he's a, yeah, he's a little yeah, baby yeah, at yeah. the end of the day um yeah, he's now a yeah, toddler yeah. but um I, I i don't think it's because i don't want him going around saying like my penis this and my penis that like i i'm not really not bothered what he says to be honest um you know i i, I try to be as free and open with charlie as possible and i think like you know, he'll see me getting dressed and he'll see like my C-section scar and he'll see my little, yeah. my little pouch yeah. and he'll yeah. ask what it is. And, yeah. you know, if he yeah. sees my husband, you know, kind of getting out the shower, he'll, he'll ask questions yeah. about it. And, you know, yeah. we, 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 I think we try our best. And I, I think kind of touching on what you sort of said earlier about, I guess, people understanding their bodies and having a good relationship with their bodies is like, my mm. dream would be for, for like my son to, I, I guess maybe grow up with an understanding of his body and how mm. other people's bodies are also different and the complexities yeah. that come with that. And I think that, you know, yeah. definitely the, the, the generation that I grew up in, it was very much pushed on you that you learned sex and relationships from mm. content that was sexual, you know? like American Pie, yes, that those exactly. films and yeah, um, exactly. you know, some children even accessing pornography online. And, you know, yes, I, yes. I'd like to think that, you know, he's kind of looking at me, you know, as, as, as a female and thinking, you know, her body is different to that female or, you know, exactly. that person who exactly. identifies as, as, you know, male or female. And I think that, you yeah. know, it's... Um, I just want him to to have a healthy appreciation and understanding for the human body. And I think that's um, such an yeah. – I'm not sure. Like, do they work anything like that into the curriculum? Because I know there's been some changes, hasn't there? But yeah. do they talk anything yeah, like, about so, that? Or? Yeah, well, I know um... – Again, it depends, you know, whether you're literally just following the government guidance um, to the letter when it comes to those objectives. And they're not broken down as much as I think teachers would like them to be. 
<coughs> excuse me, and they are kind of by the end of key stage two, children will be able to. So again, in theory, schools could do a little bit at the end of year six and say, yep, we've we've done that by the end of key stage two uh, because it's not broken down into key stage one and key stage two. However, most schools know that best practice is going to be to follow, say, the PSHE association objectives and they're broken down much, much more um, into key stage one, key stage two and beyond. Um, and certainly in um, some of our lessons uh, that we've created for PSHE, we've done so, yeah, we've done relationships before you start to look at and what is a sexual relationship and who can have one. What does the law say? What's important? Such um, a good point. Like talking about like the difference between like relationship and a sexual relationship, like coming back to yeah, those boundaries. Yeah. Like, am I right in thinking they should be viewed like differently, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, children can can learn from quite a young age that they have relationships with people in their family they have relationships with their friends they have uh, a relationship with people at a club they go to you know those are all types of relationships and within those relationships you can have healthy and unhealthy relationships so a toxic sort of friendship where your friend keeps bra- uh, blackmailing you to to give them your your new stuff or your lunch money or whatever it might be you know that that's still an example of an unhealthy relationship which again is really setting good um themes for children growing up about um self-respect respecting others boundaries consent autonomy what's okay what's not okay if something is making you feel uncomfortable then you can stop it or speak to someone or ask for help um so those are those kind of underlying those un you know those themes that underpin what comes next <clears throat> and then coming back to um you know certainly things like body image um again we've addressed that in one of our year six lessons um and i know it's tied into a lot of content um when it comes to uh, online learning because Again, sadly, lots of those images are being shared online. And secondary schools are addressing things like um, unrealistic expectations that young people take from watching pornography, that, you know, whether that is how a bo- how they think a body should look or how they think sexual performance looks um, or what they think is expected of um, a male and a female in in when they're involved in sexual intercourse, um, issues of power can come into it. Um, again, consent. And, and actually, if we don't address those issues through good quality sex education, then we do, sadly, and again, the research shows it, the data shows it, the stats show it, um, you know, we sadly end up with perhaps young people getting involved in in sexual relationships earlier than they might have, or being involved in unhappy relationships, whether they're sexual or not, but thinking that they don't really have a say, or that's the norm, or that's what's expected. Um, I can't really clearly remember exactly what it was, but a long time ago, I went on uh, a training course 
probably led by the Sex Education Forum, or it might have even been led by kind of the NHS in partnership with education about sex ed um, in my role as a PSHE lead. And they were giving us some stats and data. They were making it really relevant to the area where I taught. And they'd looked at things like teenage pregnancy stats and um, compared it with different locations, but also some other like European locations. Um, But as well as the kind of quantitative research and the number crunching and the data and stats, they'd also got qualitative research as part of um, what they'd been doing. And uh, there was one kind of example cited and it was where they'd interviewed teenage couples who were sexually active about uh, sexual behaviours. And I can't remember exactly which European country it was. I feel like it was one of the Scandinavian countries or it might have been Holland or Sweden or Denmark or somewhere. And they'd got that and they'd also kind of worked with um, teenagers in Britain. And there, and there was this comparison being drawn in this particular study. And they'd asked um, teenage boys about why they had had sex with their partner. And the kind of more common answer from the European country that was being kind of contrasted with Britain were was answers like, because I love her, or because we're in love, or because we're in a committed relationship. And the answers that were coming through from this particular study, from the young British males that were surveyed, were answers like, because I can, because I want to, um, because she let me. That is just shocking, right? And at the time, exactly, at the time, like everyone in the room, I was shocked. And yet I could relate to it as well as when I kind of thought back to my teenage self and perhaps how there was that subliminal um, notion of sex being slightly separate from a loving relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Which is really sad, actually. Um Now, my sex education was end of year six, learn about periods. Um, And then I vaguely remember something about putting condoms on, I want to say bananas. I don't think it was bananas. And I know that's kind of the stereotypical joke about sex ed is putting condoms on bananas. But if it wasn't bananas, I don't know what it was, but it was learning how to put a condom on. And okay, yeah, we did that. But it was like one lesson, and it was probably hilariously funny and giggly because there hadn't been any previous lessons where you've normalised it or yeah. usualised it a little bit. Um, certainly there was nothing in those days about um, inclusive sex ed. So whether that's for people who identify um, you know, as non-binary or trans or... Um, you know, gays, lesbians, um, people with disability, um, that just wasn't, that just wasn't mentioned at all. You say, you know, where those people were supposed to get their sex education from, I have no idea because that you weren't catered for. Um, I I think that like just adds to like the whole non-normalization of it because 
there'll be yeah. I mean even now like in 2021 like there'll be there'll be children young people up and down the country sitting there thinking well does this apply to me is this and like um mm-hmm. we we this episode was born out of um the Netflix series Sex Education and we like talked about it didn't we like we love yeah. love that love um, it wish wish all teenagers <laughs> I don't know I don't know I don't get I don't get to call what age but well you're legally allowed to have sex at 16 so couldn't all all teenagers age 15 just learn a lot more about it before they're legally allowed to, to have sex yeah absolutely and and in the most recent series like there's um an episode where they're like right we're having the talk they actually call it the talk mm. I think and they're yeah, like probably. they're like right well in this in this line boys and in this line girls and you're going to go to your respective talks and then there's like a couple of students who identify as non-binary and the school yep. gives a perfect example of exactly what not to do um and mm-hmm. just basically say which parts do you have go to that <sighs> room you have these parts so go to that room and then when they're actually in the room it's it, it's it's a conversation about you know this is what's going to happen. And, and the, the, the girls, and I mean, it, it is obviously exaggerated because it's an entertainment series. It's not, of course, you know, and of um, course. No, it's the, not actually used for education purposes, but, but it, it cleverly, as you said, it highlights the issues, but how powerful that they are raising those issues and getting anyone who watches it to empathize with what that must be like for someone who doesn't identify as uh, the majority of people identify um and you know what what one and, one thing yeah. that we talk about in that particular episode that I actually thought yeah do you know what like I mean again it is an exaggeration because um the the the, the girls essentially and people who were identifying mm. as girls in this room were having this talk from somebody who had experienced a very very um early pregnancy in their life so late teenage uh, sorry you know it's kind of those um late teenage years um didn't really specify mm. but you know they were kind of saying how it ruined your life and you shouldn't do it and you know don't have sex abstinence and all this sort of thing and you know somebody said <laughs> well what about sex or pleasure and you know yeah. somebody else said you know you're just advocating abstinence and the research shows and they actually said this in the show this isn't like me they, they said that mm. the, the research yeah, yeah, shows yeah, yeah. um that teaching abstinence does the exact opposite in in the sense Mm -hmm. that it doesn't stop young people from becoming sexually active if anything like Mm -hmm. people just rebel against it and with a lot of misinformation and you know knowledge is power in this in this situation and you know if Mm -hmm. if there's young Mm -hmm. people going out and not understanding safe sex then 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 that's that's terrible like that's such a disservice to our young people isn't it yeah, absolutely. And and again, um, on the Sex Education Forum, you can find lots of info. And again, they will, they will say that um, research does show that good quality sex education um, leads to um, it, those children that have had that good quality sex education are more likely to use contraception than those who've had no no sex education at all um yeah you can't just ignore something and assume it won't happen (laughs) which you know yes we don't want our children learning 
about things they're not ready for or trying things they're not yet old enough to try. And that could be, uh, you know, smoking or drinking alcohol. It, it, there's, there are lots of things we, we don't want our child to, to, to you know, get behind the, the wheel of a car and start trying to drive before they're legally allowed to and have had the right lessons. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we do need to pitch it right. And that's why experts will produce high quality resources and it's also why a big need um that i think you know all educators would agree whether they're people who are in the front line as teachers whether it's people who are writing resources for teachers or whether it's people you know in education in the government that kind of thing but i think we'd all agree that the training the staff training the training for teachers is so important because once teachers do feel confident and empowered and really sure of the curriculum and what to deliver when and how to answer any particular tricky questions they might be faced with, even if that answer is, I'm not sure I'll find out, or could we come back to that another time? You know, if teachers just had that training so they felt more confident, I think that would make a huge, huge impact, definitely. Um, there will always be, yeah, different schools of thought. Of course there will, um, as to what's um, absolutely age appropriate. And and I guess, like like we've said, that isn't there isn't a hard and fast answer to that anyway. You know, one girl might start her period age eight and another girl might not start her period till age 15. So you can't, you can't just teach it to the to the year threes or year fours and then not come back to it because you've only maybe, you know, made it relevant to a couple of early starters. And you can't leave it till lots of children have already been through changes and not understood what's happening with their body. So again, it's that it's that kind of key key phrase spiral curriculum. This this is a topic like all the other topics in PSHE that you need to keep revisiting so that the language becomes more familiar and everyone's more comfortable using it and so that the concepts become more familiar and the children can build on what they the little understanding they've started with each year they can build on that a bit more Um, and then you know by the time you have got to year five or year six and beyond into secondary children yeah, are more likely to ask more sensible questions. They're perhaps more able to maturely articulate their questions or their thoughts or their concerns. Um, They're probably more able to empathise with one another and have a little bit more of an understanding of what other people are going through. And they'd be more accepting of those who are quite different when it comes from the way they um, identify in terms of their gender or someone who has a different sexual orientation. Yeah. I mean, we even meant, even in our year six lessons, we mention um, the, the term asexual and what that means. Um, because, yeah, you, 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 you just, you're just trying to create awareness. Um, you're, you're not, you're not saying, you know, this is, how to do it or you know or um this is this is forbidden or this is the way you go about it It, it's just very much about kind of yeah awareness facts 
safe environments in which you can ask questions, um, acceptance that we're all different, respect for differences. Um, yeah, all those kind of core core themes. Can I um, as well pick up on the the kind of gender assignment or any kind of um, bisexual or homosexual feelings that you know mm-hmm. young people might might be kind of then considering at this point when they're they're trying to Mm. make a relatable connection between the curriculum currently Mm. and then obviously the teacher just trying to do their absolute best to deliver what's accurate and what's appropriate Mm. in in, you know within the remits of the school and then you know let's say um somebody in in a particular class you know asks a question or approaches something that you know is quite um I guess a difficult to to answer if you don't or if you're not sure of the experience that person is having. And when when yeah. we kind of spoke like a little while ago now, I think like a lot of the diversity and the content comes from really like knowing about what people go through in, in terms of the process mm-hmm. behind finding yourself and finding what sexual kind of orientation you are and your sexual preferences mm, and mm. it comes back to that relationship with your own body and mm, mm. I wonder kind of how diverse the content in schools is and how comfortable maybe parents or home educators feel mm, in mm. answering those those big questions that um mm, mm. you know well I, I, I was yeah. never asked anything like that um when I did sex ed um and it's coming back to normalizing no, which- it isn't it so how I was going to say you could, yeah, you could, you could kind of argue that perhaps in the past, any ch- any child in in the room who either themselves had a question because of the way they were feeling, or actually because their uncle has just got a new boyfriend. So you know, let's remember this: that sex education isn't all isn't just about the sex that the children are going to have when they're older. It's about learning about relationships in the world around yeah. them. And, you know, that this is, this is real life. You will meet people, uh, you know, so, someone in, in, your, in your class that you're teaching may have two mums or two dads or have someone in their family who identifies as transgender or non-binary. Or, so you will have that, yeah, different, different experiences, different questions. Um, I guess there's an element as a teacher, there's an element of which questions do you want to take kind of in that open forum and discuss as a whole class or which questions do you want to come back to and have a conversation with just that individual because it's appropriate for them and, and not necessarily appropriate for everyone else. And that and that's OK to do that. Um, you know, you might have a child, you're learning about human reproduction um in year four um and you might have a child that's sort of well well very likely might have a child who is adopted and knows they're adopted or um a child who is aware that they weren't conceived um that you know they that they they were sort of medical intervention used for uh, for them to be conceived um and actually, that's being brought into the curriculum more as well when it comes to the human reproduction bit, so that we are making sure that we're being as inclusive as possible of the fact that, you know, families can all look different and um, t- 
types of birth can vary and types of conception can vary. Um, you know, and sometimes science uh, science intervention is is needed. Um, and I guess, like anything, if we're open and we talk about it from a point of some knowledge and understanding, great if you've got it from a personal point of view. But we won't, of course, we won't all have that. So again, as as educators, perhaps we do need to make sure we f- we feel a bit more knowledgeable. Um, because then we can answer those questions um, with more confidence and with more accuracy. Um, so, yeah, I think that that that's something, as you say, it wouldn't have probably come up in the past, but it's definitely coming up more, m- more now in the curriculum. And sadly, the government guidance has been quite vague uh, when it comes to the LGBTQ plus side of things. And they've kind of there's a it's a bit of an, an old get out clause where they've kind of put schools are to determine what lgbtq plus content they include and how they cover it which of course leaves schools and educators feeling confused as to what yeah they should be covering and um, not, and not very empowering either because i mean exactly. in all honesty as much as i feel like i know about that like talking to children who are potentially part of that community or consider themselves um in in that community i i would not know how to answer those questions and you know what objectives i feel is is kind of like right to you know cover and that's not fair um that's not fair to put it back on teachers i don't think exactly exactly but again i guess what i would say um and from the content we've written in twinkle life um i think again it's about that early understanding um for children that people are all different and families are all different so uh, you know and even um there's that lovely book um on uh, Twinkle Originals called Part of the Party. Yeah, I saw that. It's and, great, isn't it? Yeah, and it's gorgeous. And it's absolutely aimed at Key Stage 1. And the point of the of the story is kind of, yeah, that families are all different. Um, but with this kind of subplot of there being a party that, that you know, it's, it's originally going to be, um, uh, I think it's, I don't, is it? mums and oh no it's dads dads and daughters disco or something I think um and the main character has two dads and it's oh well which one shall I take um and then as she starts talking to her friends you know one of her friends is like well I I I just I've only got my grandma so that means I'm I can't come to the party and someone else is well I live with two mums I haven't I haven't got a dad, so I can't come to the party. And so, and and through the book, you explore all the different families, which, you know, let's be honest, in diverse Britain, in your class, you will have lots of different families. Um, So it's creating that awareness from really early on, because then when sex education does become more about helping children understand sexual relationships, with that other special someone and they're learning about this further up in secondary school, there should be that safe space for children to ask, well, what about um, a same sex relationship? Um, or, or to feel okay to say, um, 
I don't I haven't really experienced any sexual feelings yet and to and to feel confident that that's okay and there isn't this peer pressure of everyone's doing it um or you know it's not quite the same but my daughter who's 12 so she's in year eight last year when she was in year seven um she she came home and it was she'd only been at school like two three months um it's an all-girls school um and she said uh oh um there's loads of um lesbians and bisexual people in my class and I said oh okay yeah um she said yeah everyone's sort of been talking about it um but you know there's also people who really fancy Draco Malfoy and they're all obsessed with him um uh she said but um but I don't really know what I identify as and I and I said yeah that's fine she said yeah and I just said that and and it clearly was okay. They'd had an open discussion. These 11 and 12-year-old girls, they're all getting to know each other because they're in a new school and they'd been together for a couple of months. Um, but they were clearly quite openly just talking about, well, I'm attracted to this actor or, oh, well, I like him, but I also like her, so I think I'm bisexual. And someone else saying, oh, well, I'm definitely lesbian. And Lyra felt able to say, oh, well, I'm but I, I'm not sure yet. I, I don't know. I haven't decided. And that, and it was all okay. But the bravery around that, like, because if I'm thinking about myself as like 11 and 12, I mean, I felt, I didn't even kind of consider that because, you know, people didn't really talk about it so openly, no, which is no. so wonderful, like, to kind of consider and see, like, diversity because it's yeah. everywhere. And, you know, the more the more we talk about it, you know, um, I, I, I have a friend and she's kind of saying, you know, I don't understand why they call gay, gay, gay sex gay sex, for lack of a better word. It's just sex. It's sex. It's just and, sex. Like, and, and sex doesn't have to be sexual intercourse. Sex, sexual activity, of course, covers loads of different things. And again, are we really helping children to understand that having a sexual relationship with a partner is what is right for those two people who are consenting to that relationship and touching each other or doing whatever it is they want to do that feels right for both those people. And we still seem to be sort of hung up on how to teach it from a really biological point of view, yeah, because, and, like, I think people feel safe with science. And really, like, yeah, yeah. people are so much more complex and multifaceted than biologically speaking. And I think that, you know, um, again, going back to serious sex education, there's, yeah. there's, there's a lesbian relationship yeah. in there. And they're kind of like, we don't actually know how to have sex. Because yeah. in no point, like, I mean, I was, I was taught, even myself in school, sex is between a man and a woman, yeah. a penis entering a vagina... And that, um, and, what, yeah, and that's that sex. is, and you do it to make a baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's no, yeah. there's no pleasure. There's no relationships. No, no, no. There's, no. Um, you know, so no, these we're not going to talk are... about foreplay or, or, or yeah, yeah. Or, or oral sex or anything <laughs> that's yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah, it's 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 a shame. And I and I think like you know, your 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 daughter kind of openly speaking about yeah. it is so powerful because. Yeah. You know, in, in a lot of ways, it's like these two um, girls on, on sex education, they're like trying to figure out what they like 
as yeah. a sexual relationship yeah um because they're ready and you know they're consenting and they and feel they a committed feel, relationship yeah, they feel affectionate towards one another um, and 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 have sexual feelings which again you know we can't just pretend that doesn't happen people who experience sexual arousal and again it will start at different ages for different people um you know you it's it's why would we just say ignore that sadly it feels like perhaps in British culture we we say ignore that to a lot of things because it comes full circle back to the whole mental health and all those sorts of things carry on yeah Yeah, exactly stiff upper lip don't discuss your feelings your your yeah your um emotions you and 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 yeah if if there's something that you want to ask a question about, don't because you you might be embarrassed or you might embarrass the other person, um, and that's yeah that that is doing a disservice to to everyone. Um, it, it yeah it it isn't about teaching children to do things they're not ready for or they're not comfortable with. It's the exact opposite. It's this is what you do if you're not comfortable. This is this is what's okay. This is this is when it isn't okay, if you feel like it's not okay. And we are all different. So what, you know, what what's right for one person isn't for another. And when one person's ready, that doesn't mean the other person is. And and all of that is it needs so much more. That that needs to be at the heart of sex education. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like I agree. I think the most kind of towards sex it got when when I was teaching it or you know kind of when I was learning it myself was that boys have wet dreams Mm -hmm. that was literally it and it was like oh but we we forget as well all these like sexual feelings and desires they they come from the brain and there is science behind it just because it's not you know a how to make a baby it's Uh, you uh. know it's it's almost like shied away from and I think there's a big challenge on schools kind of play in this sense because you know with our with our country having so many schools based in faith mm. they have mm. um you know a duty to um the church the parents have chosen that you know kind of education for, for their child for one reason or another yeah. um and you know I remember when I worked in faith schools you sign a contract to say you uphold the faith of the school yes, yes. and the beliefs that come with that and you know, as as senior leadership there, they have a almost like a, a duty to the governors, the church, the parents, yeah. and obviously, moreover, all of that, the children. Mm. And you know, it's it's almost like a balancing act, isn't it? Because mm. I know a lot of Catholic schools won't teach about contraception, mm. and mm. they shy away from sexual pleasure, and mm. it is mm. very much biological. But I think what you said earlier is such a good idea about. Um, asking parents and stakeholders within the school community to Mm, actually mm. do a survey and say what is it you would like us Mm, to talk mm. to your children about because although the government's left it quite vague you could also see that is there's quite a bit of freedom there and if you've got a school that you know where there's young people that identify as um lgbtq plus or you know there's children there that um have a, a high rate of um, safeguarding issues you know mm. how to tailor the content um, yeah. yeah which is ideal in a way but it's it's finding what everybody feels is is appropriate and right 
So the children are kind of going away into further settings, not having to figure it out. And I mean, when I was kind of growing up, you kind of got your sex advice from movies and YouTube and Instagram and all these things weren't around then. You really had to go out of your way to find anything. And it was obviously mostly wrong or inaccurate because it's just on the grapevine, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. Peer-to-peer info, let's be honest, when you're kind of, yeah, um, 11, 12, info from your friends isn't isn't necessarily going to be great going forward even older than that it, it it's it's going to be anecdotal and as you say very kind of yeah third hand information that perhaps wasn't accurate at the start anyway um and and let's not forget that you know as you say f- films tv programs and um and popular music a lot of that is highly sexualized oh, and and actually yeah. sadly still um often um portraying women in a in a particular way um it, it might be male um musical artists portraying women in that way or it might be the women themselves portraying themselves in that way but that highly sexualized um image is all around us and you know the lyrics to the songs are, they, they, they complement that whole stereotype so indeed, well don't they yeah like, indeed and if we don't so address bad. that you know yeah. we, 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 we can we, we've got a few options we can kind of try to um shield children from that which is pretty much impossible um we, we can let the children hear the songs see the images uh and not discuss it and let them make up their own come to their own conclusions now that's not going to be great (laughs) um because they'll be maybe confused or they will be thinking oh yeah to be um popular with other people you need to wear really skimpy clothes and dance in this particular way um yeah like you know you know what Faye? like um so i'm the youngest of seven Oh, wow. And we're mainly girls. And um, so in our house growing up, it was stick MTV on. Yeah. And like Jay-Z and 50 Cent and all those yeah. like rappers. R. Um, Kelly, who's just been Oh, oh well, for... I was going to, I was going to like talk to you about that. So we'll come back to that in yes, a minute. But yes. like, because I, I was just like, whoa, it's mad. Um, but, you know, you'd, you'd see like the, the, the back of these videos and obviously they're doing their thing. They're up yeah. front. They're like dancing, and then there's like you know, kind of a main girl who's like grinding upon them, which yeah. I thought was quite strange. And then if you look in the background, there is not one man; they no. are just like a house of women, yeah, like who, who all are just... look a certain way. Obviously, they've got a yeah. certain body type, um, and are wearing very little. It... Which, yeah, it makes me sound like a weird old prude, but it, no, it's, it's not it's... an image, yeah. isn't it? We're sending a message, a clear, clear message. Um, which as adults, we can process differently. We, we can see it for what it is. We know it's not real life. But as children growing up, that's, that's a role model of sorts or a way to be or a way to present yourself or a way to be popular or, um, yeah, so that, well, that, that yeah, that third, that third option, I was going to say, you've got the try and shield them from it, let them watch it and make up their own minds or discuss it say you well, know how um, does that make you feel or do you think that's a rep- clear representation or have you noticed how and talk about gender inequality and this kind of thing 
and I, and and it also for men watching that or young young boys mm, it's, mm. it's like oh to have power and status yeah. Yeah. I should objectify women and have this yeah. big house and you know speak to women in this way refer to women in in these terms yeah. and yeah. I mean here is a perfect example so for my 14th birthday um I'm not ashamed to say this I mean I put my parents didn't say you know no but they didn't mm-hmm. exactly like it either mm-hmm. but I had a birthday party and it was a rappers rock stars and hoes party nice and like that was on the invite and I thought it was like I thought my birthday party was going to be like a Jay-Z video yeah yeah you and I, you, I went I went as Missy Elliott nice who is actually yeah. quite a powerful female role model oh, she's and, awesome and, and really super cool but but yeah your interpretation as a 14 year year old girl of that was you know it was super cool it was it was yeah it was everybody was going to be able to wear absolutely what they wanted to wear and as you say it was going to emulate those videos you'd seen because that's what it meant to be cool growing up um but the we- previous year, I had a Disney princess party. So very oh, odd. Wow. Very, wow. very I odd. That. And that doesn't that also show us, though, how, how quickly young people, and it could happen between the ages of 13 and 14, for others it will be younger, but how quickly children will grow up and that's to do with everything they're surrounded by and their environment and the media it's to do with their peers it's but it's also just to do with them and how quickly they're growing up and you know we we need to acknowledge that you can't just um you know sweep it under the carpet uh yeah my daughter is um you know, she'll, she'll, she'll love watching something like Friends, which will have lots of references to relationships and sex and sleeping together and that kind of thing. Um, but she will still be having a look um, online at um, the new Barbies that are coming out that sort of colour change in water um, or um, um, Lego and Playmobil sets because they they it's a are transition that isn't yeah, it in exactly. itself they, yeah, yeah they are young people who are absolutely transitioning as you say from a child to an adult and that process is a long one you know it could start from age 9 in some children and it and it can carry on to through through their early teenage years where there's lots of understanding and processing what it means and and in different faiths and cultures and traditions all around the world obviously for some um cultures there'll be a ceremony to to celebrate somebody transitioning from childhood to adulthood and that might you know be linked to their chronological age it might be linked to the fact that they have started menstruating um it might be for a, a young boy who is, you know, there's it might be a ceremony because now you are a man. But actually, mentally, for all those young people in all those different cultures and backgrounds and, and places are, uh, geographically, that, that process doesn't just happen. It isn't a switch. Um, no. you, you, you've got to keep providing them with answers and information. It's an ongoing process. It's not one talk. We've told you that. Goodbye. <laughs> Um, yeah, that and that, yeah, that that's going to always sort of worry me that, that that could could still happen. It's not what Ofsted want to see. It's not what um, 
teachers want to see it. It's not what parents want to see. Um, so, you know, definitely schools have an obligation to, to try to, to work towards getting it right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think as well, a lot of it comes from fear. And I think like, I mean, that the, the Twinkle Life scheme of work and the resources that like, I know you've worked extensively on, mm-hmm. they, like, it's all about like, giving people the tools like it is of any kind of like mm. subject in that sense. Like, I've done like modern foreign languages stuff before, like outside of Twinkle before mm. I was here. And it's like a lot of people kind of let it fall to the wayside for the for the same reason in the sense that they don't really know how to approach it and they see it yeah. as a specialist thing because yeah. maybe nurses used to do it and yeah I think like going back to kind of like the messages in the media um about R. Kelly like I mean I used to love his music as well like yeah I'm not quite I, obviously you're a lot younger than I am so I'm not really yeah. a generation where I was uh, yeah I wasn't a fan at any time and that might be generation and genre so not really my music either but but he was highly influential incredibly uh, popular successful and to hear now the way he was using that to to manipulate um men and women mainly women but uh, some people uh, were yeah were were still um legally children when he was um using his influence telling them he could get them into the music business and then actually sexually abusing them and and abusing his power it's really alarming um but we do have a lot of information at the moment coming out and reports and studies coming out around um violence to women and girls sorry sorry Faye you cut out then oh sorry Um, I had you from abusing his power. Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, abusing his power. And that makes me think very much about the current studies and research and information we've got coming out around violence towards women and girls. And this is uh, a topic that's being discussed heavily right now, which again feeds into PSHE and life skills and um, consent, autonomy and sex education, relationships education. Um, It's got to be addressed. And yes, there are lots of charities and organisations working on it. Um, But are we doing enough um, in schools to to teach explicitly about it or to or to put in place the building blocks that 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 we need in place in young children um whether that's gender stereotypes you know again they start start really early on you've got young children there are some some studies that show children as young as um 5 or 6 um, think that boys are much smarter than girls um you've got very young children um, thinking that certain sports are for boys or, you know, maybe coming out with a phrase like boys don't cry or, or oh my goodness, you girls know what? aren't fast, you know. Yeah, you know what, Faye, like I recently did some like very interesting training and it's just kind of jogged like a part of it for me when you were saying that is that mm. um, so they said exactly how early in children's lives do you yeah. think um, they start to develop these stereotypes. And then it started making me think how Charlie sees me and how he sees yeah. my partner, Jonathan. And like, you know, so Jonathan is um, 
he's a hobbyist wood turner so he likes to make a lot of things he's wow you know, very tactile and yeah. so he'll always see his father as someone working with tools and someone who lets charlie play mm. with a screwdriver which i, yeah, hate. I hate that cool yeah yeah hate that so much but um and he'll see me making dinner mopping yep. up the juice he throws on the floor and then yep. i'm like well you know so trying to explain to my son what I do mm. and what I kind of do for our family in terms mm. of work mm. and, you mm. know, work ethic and kind of what I've done to develop myself as a person is yes. a really hard message to get yeah. across. And they reckon it's, um, you know, in these in these very early stages where they start to think, oh, OK, well, that's what mummies do or that's what yes. girls do. And this is what boys do. And, you know. You can see it because even sometimes he says, you know, even for inanimate objects, he'll say, where's the mummy and the daddy? Yes. Because he's never, he's, he's not, he's not got to that point where he's understanding that, you know, families can look different. Different, But it does worry me as a parent on a daily basis, Mm. the reinforcement of what I could be creating. Yeah, I think, and, and you've got that awareness, which means he'll be fine. He'll be great because you're on it but obviously not everyone's got the awareness and it's okay absolute of course I think again you've got people panicking and thinking that 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 if we're open and forward thinking we'll start to teaching children that it's not okay to live in a family where mum cooks dinner and dad has an office job or works with tools and actually that's not what it's about. It's saying that this is one example of a family and in our family, all the roles are valued and everyone does the role that's right for them. And and as you say, it needs looking at how that supports the family as a unit and, and valuing everyone's role, but making sure that we say, but it won't be like that in all the other families and that there are families with two mummies, two daddies. Um, and that, yeah, and I guess it's, it's, it's addressing the stereotypes, but it's also looking a bit more deeply at what that stereotype means. So a stereotype of um, a policeman needs to be a man or a fireman and a nurse is a lady. Um, that's bad enough that that's a stereotype because obviously we've got female firefighters and police officers and we've got male nurses. But if on a deeper level we look at whether ones are linked to power and tools or even weapons um, and, and, and what that means. And then the other one is around doing things for other people, which in itself is often undervalued. Um, yeah, I think we need to really be thinking about how we can address that. Um, and that's, Obviously, that's not specifically linked to sex education, but it is linked to PSHE and growing up and and careers and relationships and respecting other, what other people do in, in their work life, in their yeah, personal life. Yeah, and their life. choices. Exactly. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, looking at, yeah, at roles, rights, responsibilities and respect um, and it's also closely linked Um, and I think relationships and sex education at its core is about about values of course it's often some of the sex education part is about science about biology 
but really relationships and sex education is about values and and that is so important and it is coming through the curriculum and where it's done well it, it it's obvious that it's having a huge positive impact on those pupils and um it's that that needs to be showcased and we need to share best practice and like we said we need that training to build confidence and um yeah get those strands those core strands running through the curriculum um and not having one-off lessons of hilarity where you know we for that one time only we're going to use words that uh, you know are are embarrassing and rude um yeah it's, it's just such a shame um that's 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 really great Faye I mean before we finish um we um kind of appeal to the the wider social channels at mm, mm. um and just you know these are not necessarily what people believe they're more like what people have heard from I guess other people they they mix with work with yeah maybe their parental friends so I just want to make that clear in case anyone feels uh you know that we've represented their their comment in a, in a strange way so the first one I I just want to put to you is my child will learn about their body well when my child will learn about their body um, as a result they'll become sexually active mm, yeah so you and I have definitely touched on that haven't we and I think um an awareness of your body and the different parts is actually learning about your body we do yeah. teach children that there that that some of our body parts are private and that's why we cover them up when we go swimming um or you know the fact that we we don't need to share show our those body parts uh, or or certainly don't touch other people's body parts that are under their underwear um but if that again that's taught alongside we also don't give someone a hug if they don't want to have a hug we don't hold hands if they don't want to hold hands um we don't force them to play a game they don't want to play it, it, mm-hmm. it's on every level so I think teaching children about their own body and not to be ashamed of their body but that their body is theirs um, that's quite different from anything remotely linked to sexual activity certainly yes as they get older they'll learn about how their body will change during puberty and um, and you will cover topics such as masturbation. Um, but again, that's that's taught in context of this is something that is is something done in private. It's about you learning more about your body, what feels good, what doesn't feel good. Uh, and, and you touching your body is very, very different from someone else touching it or from you touching someone else's. Um, and yeah, it's making sure that it's it's right you know the language is right the context is right um yeah I think body awareness and uh, becoming uh, sort of sexualized or even learning about sexual activity although they are linked they're two very different things in terms of stages that children would learn about them um and and as we said children will process things as and when 
they're ready. Um, yeah. We don't need to overload them with information, but we can answer their questions honestly and accurately in an age appropriate way. That's a great answer, Faye. Thank you. Um, the next one, um, again, uh, more of a, a view that someone's heard. Yeah, yeah. Sex and relationship education should only be taught in schools. Yeah. And I think, yeah, as you, as we touched on earlier, there'll be lots of parents who would have that view. it's funny because you've got you've got a spectrum you've perhaps got some um parents and carers who would rather you know they see themselves as their their child's primary educator and they would rather teach about that and it not be taught in schools at all then right at the far end of the spectrum as you've just said there you might have people who believe that this is something that should exclusively be taught in schools and not handled as a parent um again it's not up to me to tell anyone what they should do that's entirely subjective and up to up to parents themselves and carers themselves although we can think about best practice and what research shows and research and studies do show that the best rse and the best outcomes for children are when it's uh a, a, you know a really good strong relationship between home and school so that the dialogue is consistent the information is consistent the who to go to those messages are consistent and and that it's not seen by the child as a topic that either the parents don't want to address or the school doesn't want to address because that again is sending those subliminal messages of it's something that normal people don't do or don't talk about but actually it is it is a normal part of adult life so um we i think we have to think about the messages that we're sending beyond the 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 explicit verbal messages we're giving okay that's it for today if you have any questions feel free to get in touch via our social accounts i hope you found this really interesting we love chatting to Faye, and a special mention to ingrid who kindly provided us with an awesome soundtrack ingrid is a video content creator at twinkle a musical comedian outside of twinkle and lives and works in australia take care